The Ethereum Society proudly presents this series of podcasts in tribute to the 50th anniversary of the giving of the 12 blessings. The following podcast is on the second blessing. Blessed are the wise ones. This podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at the American headquarters of the Ethereum Society in Hollywood, California. The co-hosts were the Reverend Paul Nugent and the Reverend Richard Casada. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming tonight. This is our first podcast on the 12 blessings in America, and I am joined tonight with the Reverend Paul Nugent. My name is Richard Quesada. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Richard. Welcome to you. And uh, we have a great opportunity this evening to present to those of you who will listen to this podcast a um, unique hour of information that we've gathered through many hours of research, research that has led us to years 1959 and 1960, 1961, when the master George King traveled throughout America and indeed England and spoke of the 12 blessings to the world. As you know, the 12 blessings were given over 12 consecutive Sundays in 1958. And the significance of these wonderful teachings, and indeed this essence that has prevailed our world for this 50 years past, has made a significant change. And the information tonight, we hope, will provide you with a greater understanding of these wonderful teachings. Maybe just something to add there, Richard. Uh, Of course, the 12 blessings were given 50 years ago in 1958, although it was said at the time that they were being given 52 years ahead of their originally intended time. And as you've just said, they have already had a tremendous impact on, I would say, just about everybody who has uh, discovered the 12 blessings and certainly those who've taken it to heart. But even so, this is still before the blessings were due to have been given. And in the last 50 years, we have, of course, seen tremendous change in the consciousness of humanity take place because, of course, think back to the 1950s, 1958 in particular. This was the Cold War. It was an age certainly before the Internet had even been thought of, spoken of, certainly. Uh, And these recordings will be going out over the Internet It was a period before television for most people and before tape recorders also for most people. Perhaps they they had a a radio set, a wireless. So a lot has changed already in the world in the last 50 years. But as, as I say, this is still before the real impact upon humanity the 12 blessings are due to make. It's interesting to note that um, there was a decision obviously made by the powers that be 
to have these wonderful teachings delivered to earth and by the Master Jesus. Um, we have not a lack of teaching on this planet. For millions of years, uh, there has been a number of avatars, a number of male and female teachers that have provided great wisdom to the various civilizations and areas in need throughout history. However, the dawning of the Aquarian Age, where we're positioned now, the new world being around the corner, that we need something that would be far more clear, something that would provide us a greater understanding of the cosmos and a relationship to this cosmos. No longer are we bridled with the love of family, friends, money, and position. Now we have, through these teachings of the 12 blessings, we have a, a written poetic presentation of God's great and wondrous system. And indeed, tonight, we are going to present the second blessing, which was delivered on August the 3rd, 1958. Now, prior, last week, you would have heard the Right Reverend Richard Lawrence and the Reverend Brian Kniep give their presentation on Blessed Are They Who Work for Peace. And many are they on this planet, unfortunately too few, but many are they who do work for peace. And in many, in many ways. In many ways. But tonight we're dealing with those who are the wise ones. And we want to hopefully provide you with some understanding. I think the differentiation we have to establish immediately is that the wise ones are not to be confused with planetary ones. As we will proceed further, you will read and experience and understand that the planetary ones themselves are planetary beings from other planets within this solar system in particular who have come to this world on various assignments, different times of our history, to perform various operations, missions, etc. The wise ones tonight... It's very important to have a greater appreciation for these particular individuals because they may not particularly be from another planet. They may have achieved, which we'll describe in a moment, and have the master in his own words uh, provide us with an insight. I think in our, our schedule here, we're going to first have the Master Jesus in his pronouncement of this particular blessing. And I think, Reverend Nugent, would you please... Guide us into a state of preparedness for this. All right. And I'd suggest those of you who are hearing this as a podcast also participate in this way to prepare yourself literally to hear the voice of the wonderful Master Jesus as he spoke through Dr. King on this very Sunday, August the 3rd, 50 years ago in 1958 as he delivered what was the second of the Twelve Blessings. So to prepare ourselves, let us close our eyes and have the spine erect. Place the palms of the hands downwards upon the knees with the fingers spread out. 
and just take a few deep rhythmic breaths to calm the mind and the body. and to become open to this extremely holy initiation that has been given to literally humanity to guide us into a greater realization of the vastness of all things and within which we reside And yet behind and within it all is the divine spark of God. So now, with these thoughts, let us visualize coming down from the vastness of space, a wonderful living white light. And see this white light entering the top of your head and charging your brain. And take it on downwards through the neck and outwards into your heart center. And see it filling and expanding in the heart center. And now let us think down beneath our feet to the wondrous living Logos of the Mother Earth. This great planetary being And in all humility, let us now request her violet flame of transmutation to come right the way up through and around our feet and body and take this violet flame up through and around the body, up above the top of your head, as high as you can visualize, literally cleansing all of the dross, Now let us prepare ourselves to hear the blessing as it was delivered by the Master Jesus through Dr. George King while he was in a positive yogic, somatic trance. Blessed are the wise ones. For they walk through a dark and ignorant world, spreading their light for those of you who have imagined ever to hear the voice of Jesus, this is the closest you will come unless you have that privilege ever to meet this cosmic being. The wise ones, as the Master Jesus clearly states, are they who walk, not fly, not dream, not think their way through the earth, but walk upon the earth and spread their light. And what is this light that he speaks of? It is a light that shines from the very spark of our divine 
heritage, of their divinity itself, the very spark that we all share, because each of us have this spark. However, these particular beings, these individuals, as we'll learn in a moment, have achieved something very unique that's very different from others who claim to have wisdom, who claim to have divinity, who claim to hold light. They have achieved an aspect of attainment in contacting this spark of divinity through a process that's very difficult, through years of disciplined behavior. Lives. Lives, yes, lives, hundreds of lives, to come to a position where you may have a millisecond of this exposure to this wondrous source of your being. And when you attain this, and it is described as being extremely blissful, very much at peace, profoundly moving, you leave it and you come and walk amongst mankind and share this radiance with everyone, even though they do not recognize you as that light bearer. It is a very lonely path. There are many of us who throughout our history, think about it, who spend the most part of our time gathering, holding when we gather something, I be it love of a person, man or woman, material things, greater or less, possessions, obviously, and we hoard them, and we hold them dearly, and let no one come into our home for fear that they may be shot or certainly rebuked for coming in to steal something that's not theirs. But here we have what a wondrous illustration where individuals who find this wonderful, indescribable, beautiful essence, a plateau, unique, a position in life's pattern, that they are bathed and have this relationship with this divine light. And then they decide to come amongst us and radiate this very essence freely without any payment in return. They give their possession, their most prized possession. The most priceless possession, if it is a possession, if one can even refer to it as a possession, the spark of God within. Anyway, Dr. George King describes this situation of attaining this experience. He himself attained it. In saying that, Dr. King himself had remarkable, unique experiences. And very often he found it difficult to have to share this with us. Perhaps one of his most sacred experiences was a visit to the very Logos of this earth. And yet out of necessity for our own education, he chose to share that extremely personal experience with us, as I say, for our own education and for us to realize, 
a greater aspect of the divinity, the holiness of the Mother Earth upon which we reside. We're maybe getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I think perhaps we should listen to our first extract that, Richard, you have selected from a lecture given by Dr. King. Was it given in England or was it given in the United States? This one was given in London in 1959. And throughout the podcasts, you will hear different qualities of sound because you will find that you will hear an auditorium-like presentation where he's giving lectures in Alameda uh, fairgrounds near San Francisco to thousands of people and or to groups in New York or Oklahoma. He spoke many, many times about the 12 blessings. And so we'll have, uh, throughout the 12 Blessing podcast, a variety of various approaches to the same fountain of, of understanding. This next one, the Master will give a talk about meditation and the contact with the spark of the divine. Would you please roll that track too, please? Again, we have the reference to the people who have expended sufficient energy in order to bring about the great and enlightening state of meditation or nirvana or one of these very, very deep meditative states. The people who have contacted the spark or allowed their soul, which is the controller of the mind, to be bathed in the pure essence, the pure light of love and wisdom which radiates continually from the spirit which is the spark of God. Now, when I talk about the word spirit, I do not mean it in the same way that the average orthodox spiritualists uh, mean it. With credit due to them, they have a wrong conception of this word. Spirit, to me, can only mean one thing, and that is the spark the essence of God which is within all men. Not uh, a physical body which has passed away from this physical world and gone to live on another physical world because the etheric realms are far, far more physical than that piece of rock. Some of us who've spent years studying this could even tell you about the atomic construction of the etheric bodies and so on. We know these things to be very, very physical. I can detach myself from the physical body and walk through that wall quite easily. But it's only one set of matter passing through another set of matter. When I detach myself from the spirit, from the physical body, and take up what some people would wrongly term a spirit body, wrongly term, I'm still in a very physical state, but not a state which is affected by base matter, but a state which is affected by other forms of matter. In a little experience I had some years ago, I was totally paralyzed, and nearly bought my chips in 
uh, an out-of-the-physical-body state. Now, I bear the scars of that experience even today and will do as long as I remain in this physical body on this earth. There are times when I have dreadful attacks uh, and so on and <clears throat> it's only because one or two people uh, really rally round and help me during these, these times that, <clears throat> that I live. This, this experience left a chink in my armour through which the, the arrows of the dark forces occasionally penetrate. Not often, but occasionally. And during those times I almost die. Now, I'm telling you this for one reason only, to illustrate to you that this so-called spirit body is still a material thing. But the spirit, the spark of God within man, is way, way above, above any such conception. It is the, the link with God in its highest form. You are all parts of God. Your toenails are essential parts of God. The hair on your head is an essential part of God. So is your physical body an essential part of God. That clock, that light, this microphone, the tape recorder, all things are a part of God. But in a different vibratory form. It's very good to be reminded of that because, of course, our main purpose for being here, what these wise ones have demonstrated, as it says in the text, these ones have gone within, deep within, and made a glorious and lasting contact with the spark which dwelleth there. And it is the primary reason that we each have taken earth, a physical body, taken life at this time, at any time, to go within and to touch, to discover, and to bring out in man, into manifestation this divine spark that is within each and every one of us. And it's very good to be reminded here by Dr. King, and of course in this second blessing, of what our primary purpose is. And the fact, as he says, that even our toenail, there's nothing that we can possess. Everything is an aspect of God. And of course these wise ones have, re have realized that and have come out into the world, into this dark and ignorant world, to remind us of that. The fact that uh, the Master Jesus decided to pick 12 blessings, of course, is significant. But in the second blessing, why would he choose wise ones? There could be, in many people's minds, a number of categories, a number of different attributes and, and specialties of, of various uh, human endeavors that would be significant and noteworthy. But the wise ones, because of their selflessness, because they haven't chosen a path of selfishness, that they have gone within and found this lasting contact and have come back out of this state to share it with the world, the Master Jesus is in this blessing directing us, those who practice these 12 blessings, to send power to the wise ones. And we'll hear later in this podcast where the Master absolutely expands on who these wise ones are as well. 
we have here uh, a blessing that is short in nature in this little simple booklet. However, very profound, extremely powerful. And in this sense, we're recognizing the greatest, some of the greatest achievers on this planet. A very difficult, think about it, a very difficult choice has to be made when and if we ever reach that position where we are bathed in this light. Do we, would we, share this light to a world that doesn't recognize us as light bearers and we would know in our heart that that light is forever changing those people whom we come into contact with. Invisibly, yes. Significantly, absolutely. So this idea on this earth, we so, we so seek recognition. We seek position, recognition, acknowledgement. These wise ones are the, one of the supreme examples of people who do not seek that type of requirements of interaction of this type of business. And it's important for us to have a delineation between that which we think we're doing and why we do it, and they're a great example. I think also that there is a tie-in between this this second blessing and the wise ones in the way you're describing them and the way they are described, uh, and also the fourth blessing to the planetary ones, which, of course, we'll be covering in two weeks. Um, But in the fourth blessing, it does refer to these masters. They tarry here and the light doth come, and then they pass onwards before the takers of that light do realize what has happened to them. And that's exactly what you're saying here in terms of these masters. Do we recognize their presence, perhaps not at the time, but we are affected by the light that they bring and that they leave for us to then take hold of? One of the great uh, statements made by the cosmic masters is that in 1956 onwards, that there was a great movement and a impetus that was moved throughout the realms, in particular the Himalayas and Tibet, and moved masters out of their ashrams and monasteries into the West. And these could be considered as wise ones, these beings who have found the lasting contact, but yet were ordered out of their safe havens, traditional homes, out of their positions and asked, not asked actually, commanded to go into the West. And so here we have in the Andes, we have Great White Brotherhood retreats opening. We have in the Colorado Mountains and, of course, Mount Shasta, as will be discussed here, uh, not discussed so much, but provided to you in knowledge by the Master. This is how this blessing should be viewed. It's not just simply a, an odd person here and there. It is a great movement, and that movement is to move these, even these beautiful beings who have been traditionally positioned in sanctified, protected areas and have been commanded virtually to move into the West, into civilization, so that they could spread their light. This is important, that exchange, that, that imbuing of that radiance. As you will know from the Nine Freedoms podcast, the 12 blessings as with the Nine Freedoms were each introduced by one of the Ascended Masters, the Keeper of the Great Seal, Saint Gu Ling, an extremely elevated member of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. And in terms of what Richard is saying, these members of these retreats 
of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth have moved more into the West. He mentioned the Castle Peak in the, in the Rocky Mountains. Of course, Ben McDewey in the Cairngorm Mountains of Scotland and also into, into Mount Kilimanjaro of East Africa. But this, this particular master, Saint Gu Ling, right at the very beginning of the second blessing, he says, if you go within and he's speaking to all of us, you can contact the source of all things. But then he goes on to say, then must you come out again and give the fruits from the garden of wisdom to your hungry brothers. So there is actually no alternative. One cannot go in and find this wisdom and sit on it. There, it is the law. It's not our law. It is the law. One has to come out literally in service and sacrifice. And that is the principle, actually, that one learns behind the whole of the 12 blessings. The, the more elevated one becomes, the greater the sacrifice one actually performs for creation. Yes, let's, uh, let's roll the next track. Blessed are the wise ones, for they walk through a dark and ignorant world spreading their light. As you are related to all people upon earth, everything that you do affects all people upon earth. And as you affect all people upon earth, in one way or the other, uh, for good or bad, I mean, you affect all people upon earth either for good or bad. If you yourself become a wiser person, you gradually shed wisdom into the world because you have that effect upon all people you meet, in fact all people upon earth, whether you meet them or not. And if you murder someone, you've brought all people upon earth down just that bit. If you raise someone from the dead, and this is possible, you have brought all people upon earth up just that bit, providing it cooperates with the law, and if it doesn't, you can't do it. To give healing to a brother who suffers helps all the people who suffer on the world just that bit. To walk past a person who's starving hinders all the people upon the world just that bit. So... Blessed, indeed blessed, are the wise ones because wherever they go, their wisdom wipes off on people. You know yourself that a person who is a very dynamic person has tremendous power radiating from them. When you're in their presence, you feel better. You feel more confidence. You feel some of their their dynamic personality virtually wipes off on, off on you. Well, it's easily understandable. It's because their energy, their radiating energy from their psychic centers and your psychic centers in turn pick up that energy, take it into your, to yourself and you have some of their attributes. Doesn't it heighten your responsibilities though? By Jove, yes, as you all know, because, you see, you give your attributes for good or bad. So indeed, blessed are the wise ones, and the wise ones should have your blessings, not because you may not be a wise one, oh no, you may be a wise one, yourself. You may be a person who's 
spreading the light of this wisdom yourself, certainly you may, but when you send a blessing to the wise ones, you are helping again the mass of the wise ones and they in turn are the group soul or the group consciousness, I prefer to call it, from the wise ones helps you in turn. And you deserve to be helped because you're activating the law. The exchange, the exchange, conscious effort to send power to this group consciousness enables us to be more enhanced and capable of receiving wisdom, more wisdom, and therefore give more of this vitality, energy, and radiance that the Master speaks of, even in our position as aspirants and disciples of truth. The Master King is a primary example of a wise one. He was directed, as you know, to perform much of his life in the civilized societies or cities of the world, in particular London and Los Angeles. He was positioned in this city for many decades And from this city of millions, he quietly went about his work that has uh, had a direct impact upon world events and has preserved mankind in certain respects up to this point and protected mankind from many harmful situations that would have occurred. Having been with him personally, and Paul can also attest to this, here's a very quiet individual, for the most part, shy in many respects, uh, deliberate in his day, obviously. He had many things to accomplish, and he went about it, uh, checking boxes, as, it, as it's called. But that said, he, uh, when he entered either a building and or a public space, one could see, even though subtly, there was a strange air that preceded him and surrounded him, and people recognized him even though they didn't know who he was. There was a change. There was a change. Just to add to that, because, yes, I did go into, not that uh, Dr. King, uh, certainly in the latter years in which I knew him, ventured into the public very much. He preferred not to do so, but he had to occasionally go out uh, to see doctors or whatever. And Richard's absolutely correct. He did have this wonderful aura about him, which was noticeable to members of the public because we being close to him on a daily basis, I won't say got used to it, but it wasn't such a, a surprise. Um, but So Dr. King would be out in these situations, and one very remarkable thing is that here with this master, literally this wise one, who did carry this light wherever he went, uh, which people would observe in one degree or another. I remember seeing that it was him, it was Dr. King, it was literally the master, who would open doors for people. Rather than have the door opened for him, he would be the one who would be the gentleman, in these in these very public situations, and it would it, it always it actually would, to me it was just a, again a wonderful mark of his own not only his humility but also his true stature 
of a great master, and, and to that extent perhaps a, a master in disguise. One of the other sides of this light that's radiated is not even our understanding of light, let's say, by comparison, we're in a dark room, we turn on a 100-watt light, and there's light, and we can see. These beings, these souls, such as Dr. King and others, throughout history have provided man not only with their radiance, but have, because of their contact with this divinity, have altered the different realms of this planet and provided, say, the mental realm with a wonderful tapestry of information, experiences, understandings, nuances that we, years later, benefit from. This light of the, from the wise ones is not simply a spiritual, on its own factor. It has multi-dimensional effects. It's well documented that Saint Germain, when he uh, was in Europe for over 400 years, approximately, was quite active in the Industrial Revolution and played his part, living in the same body, by the way, during that time, and a member of the Great White Brotherhood. You can class him as a wise one. Of course, he's a very advanced master. But here's a, a good example of an individual who had influence. And it wasn't so much that he twisted arms. It was moreover that his, his persona, in various positions uh, at given times, helped kickstart Bring inspiration, bring the very power of that inspiration and influence the minds of those significantly around him. And we have in a great illustration Dr. George King and other great masters who have come to this world as of late. And let's use Dr. King as a great example. Looks, look what has happened since 1919 and certainly since he, when he became a master of yoga in his 30s and up until his passing on from this physical realm, look what we have enjoyed as a direct result of this light. So I'm throwing this out there in the sense that let's not limit light to simply radiance. Let's look at light as octaves of vibration on multiple levels of experience. And these beings, once they've reached these elevated states and then shed this light willingly and ably to the world, it has its effect upon us in many levels of experience. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, just another point to make on that is that these masters we're referring to are, of course, ascended masters. These are ascended masters. These are masters who, shall we say, are not dead. They are alive. And this is an aspect, and it's one of the most important aspects, if not indeed the most important aspect, of the 12 blessings themselves in the practice of the blessings. Because this whole teaching is for us, literally in the second blessing, to bless the wise ones. Because even though they may not be physically present, and even though they may not be on this physical realm, they still are truly real. They are truly real. And so when we do send our blessings, in this particular case, to the wise ones, that light 
comes back to us and we are changed by it, even, as I say, without them being what we would term physically present. And that is part of the power and the, uh, and the reality of the Twelve Blessings. So let's um, now listen to a, yet another extract where we have a very definitive description of how difficult it is to attain this state of exaltation and then leave it. The aim and object of most people in this world is, as you must admit, to find happiness. The aim and object of the advanced man is not to find happiness because he finds this just a transient thing. Happiness is like a balloon. One prick of a tiny pin and it's burst and useless forever afterwards. A a man can be happy with his family. Along comes a snowy day. Somebody slips in front of a bus and and he has a scar on his happiness for the rest of his life. The aim of most people is to find happiness. But the advanced man has gone further than this. But he's looking for joy and peace. Now, it takes him an awful lot of effort, countless incarnations of effort, to get anywhere near peace. And then to be told, when you find it, walk away from it, reject it, so that you might be permitted or allowed the privilege of suffering for your brothers, for all mankind, is really something. But that is the commandment. It's not a request. It is a commandment. It is something we have to do. I know I'm treading on not only orthodox religious corns now, but orthodox occult corns. Glibly, you will hear people speak in... You will hear people speak glibly, I mean, in in various churches and synagogues and so on throughout the country tomorrow about this great search for peace, especially in, the, in, in certain uh, occult uh, movements. This seems to be their one main object uh, in life, to gain this state of meditation. It's the, it, it's the one main object of the Christian church only, in the Christian church, unfortunately, you haven't got Johnnies who can put it over because the very Johnnies who talk about it do not understand it. But in certain occult organizations, you do have people talking about this who really understand it. Those people will not, or at least very few of them, will then will tell you once you have gained this great state to turn away from it. Because it's a very difficult thing. Only those people who've been in the state of samadhi or one of these very deep states where everything is is unruffled, peaceful, uh, uh, and so 
absolutely wonderful that, that I couldn't possibly describe it to you. And then you have to leave that. You have to turn away from it. It's far, far worse than turning away from your best girlfriend, than walking out of your home and leaving your wife and children flat to starve. As, as terrible as that would be to any decent-minded man, and it would be a terrible thing for any decent-minded man, to turn away from this, from this piece is much, much harder for a decent-minded or at least any person. And yet we're asked to do it. That's why, don't you see, I know that we are stepping on even occult corns this night. We're not stepping on the corns of the real bringers of the ancient wisdom, though, because they couldn't have brought the ancient wisdom to earth had they remained in this peace themselves. You cannot be in this state and out of it at the same time. You get certain people saying they can. Well, I for one have to be convinced of that. You can be in it or out of it. The people like Jesus and Buddha and so on, who, who found Buddha nearly starved for ten years, although he was a, a, a man of colossal wealth, really. He was the only rich uh, avatar. And he did not become an, an enlightened avatar until he gave all material possession up. You have people like Buddha who sacrificed only then to go around with a begging bowl spreading the fruits of his great wisdom to all. And look what great things he must have done for the world. Had it not been for Buddha, I don't think any of you would be here tonight. Had it not been for Jesus, none of you would be here tonight. Not in, the, not in your present incarnated forms. I'd like to pause at this moment and see if anyone has a question they'd like to pose. I know that's thought-provoking, and but we have a microphone if you have a question, even the simplest of questions. So I wanted to know, who, who exactly are these wise ones? The wise ones, well, the, the answer actually is given in the, in, in the blessing itself, um, where it says, these are the ones who have gone within, deep within, and made a glorious and lasting contact with the spark which dwelleth there. These are the wise ones that the Master Jesus is describing. So on the one hand, it obviously is describing masters from beyond this earth, but I think it also applies to earth masters. Uh, a good example perhaps would be Yogananda, as someone who had gone within and raised the consciousness at least to the heart center, fully to the heart center. Um, and even perhaps even above that. But to boil it down, as the Master Jesus says, it is those who have gone within and made uh, a contact, deep and glorious contact with the spark which dwelleth there. And in saying that, that's um, really a, a wonderful um, incentive for us all to go within and literally make that contact, that, uh, make it a lasting contact with that spark which dwells within us all. That's what we're here to do, in point of fact. If you could maybe uh, clarify or give some more examples as to the difference between happiness and joy. Um, I guess some people 
don't really know the difference because they think of joy as maybe more everlasting that lasts longer or is happiness something more temporary or what exactly is the difference if you can clarify that a little bit more Dr. King, on one of his lectures, does actually go into that, and, and uh, he refers to happiness as laughter of the mind. And uh, if I'm right in, in saying that joy is a laughter of the soul, which is quite a good distinction between the two. And I, but I think that Dr. King actually described it himself very well. It's like a balloon, and, and uh, you're feeling great, and one prick, and uh, it's useless. And um, most of us do. Actually, it's, it, it, I can see this is quite an interesting question because um, it's this perpetual seeking of, of happiness, going from one thing to the next. Oh, okay, look, I'm looking forward to lunch, going out for lunch today, and and after that, what's next? Or well, I'm you know I'm looking forward to getting an early night, and uh, you know, so each day goes goes on and on and on and round and round and round. And it's these little things that we all, you know, seek to fill up our day with a pleasant experience rather than a, than an unpleasant one. But it is these things that take us away from going within, from going within and finding that spark of God, which takes, on the face of it, far more effort. But I would say that it is through spending time, through spending time practicing the twelve blessings for 15 minutes, through doing any form of yoga that begins to bring about not a sense of happiness, but more a deeper sense of joy. And the more that we do go towards that spark of God, the more we are beginning to experience and therefore manifest a sense of joy. Now I think we'll play the last extract of the Master. He clarifies pointedly the importance of sending power to these wise ones. It's the duty of all of us to send our blessings to these ones who, are, who have given wisdom to the world. People like Buddha, Jesus, Sankachara, Yogananda, Patanjali, Confucius, Laotse, and so on and so on. And there are many, many dozens of them. Some great names, some world famous, some not so famous. We should send our blessings, our thoughts, our love and, and power to these people, especially in these times. And if we do this, and when we do this, we will be helping them to help the world. And we will be doing our essential part in the great cosmic plan. This book, you know, is the outline, the very brilliantly clever outline of a great cosmic plan. And these different, the, the, the wise ones and the workers for peace and so on, are destinations to which we should send power. As I stressed this last week, these are essential practices which should be practiced by all men. They're new to this age. The concept is new to this age. They should be practiced in this age. They weren't given to a Piscean age or the last age. They were given to an Aquarian age or the new age. At this point... 
I think it's extremely valuable to leave the theory of the 12 blessings and describe a little bit more about the practical aspect. One of Dr. King's great aphorisms was, a minute's practice is worth an hour of theory. And that is certainly very true of the practice of the 12 blessings. It's it's wonderful to know the blessings. It's important in its own way with time to learn the prayers. Of course, this was in the second blessing. It's one of only three blessings that do not have a prayer. But when one is familiar with the prayers... And, of course, we have to all have to learn by reading them from the book. But when we become familiar with those prayers, we can literally put the 12 blessings into practice by going through each of the headings in turn. And then with the power of visualization, which is a very important um, yogic tool, and the 12 blessings gives us this tool, unlike virtually any other teaching that we have. Excuse me, Paul. Uh, could you give just a, a small snapshot of what a 12-blessing service would look like to a listener. How was this ritual? How was this service performed? How, how, would, how would be the mechanism? Well, for the, again, very briefly, um, and this is actually available on our website by going to the 12 Blessings page. But literally one holds one's hands up in the prayer mudra to be able to send the energy out. One then goes, well, one goes through each of the blessings in turn, beginning, of course, with the first blessing, Blessed are they who work for peace which um, one then, in saying that, one visualizes the, the group soul of those working for peace. And then having brought this into one's own visualization, when it feels appropriate, then one would go into the prayer that Jesus gives at the end of the first blessing. And one goes through the blessings like that. Then, of course, one goes on to the second blessing. As I say, there is no prayer, into the third, and so on right the way through. But um, it is given not just as a, as a spiritual teaching, the 12 blessings, but of course as this wonderful metaphysical spiritual practice, as Dr. King has just said, at this time, for this Aquarian age. And in terms of just recently, in, in April of this year, we had uh, several hundred people around the world who performed over 3,000 consecutive services of the 12 blessings invoking over 750 hours of energy. And I think I speak for just about everybody who participated in that marathon. I know I speak for myself, and I know I speak for Richard. But by engaging in the 12 blessings, the energy does come back. And then, of course, one sends it back out to the world. But it is incredibly illuminating for one's own sake. But in saying that, not only is it illuminating for oneself, it's very nature is then giving that energy back, coming out with it and giving it back out into the world through the prayers. So that's an example of how it is not just left to theory. We are in this theory society and our sympathizers and cooperators around the world are joining together in this great practice and sending the power of God invoked to these 12 focal points. And throughout this podcast, as you listen, you will have a greater understanding how cosmic these 12 blessings truly are and how they have a direct impact upon you personally and your future. I, th- I think for me, as a, perhaps as a closing remark, of course, these blessings, as we have said, were given in 1958. Uh, Dr. King, by this stage, had already attained his own illumination, which began presumably somewhere in the, in the 1940s. And he primarily used mantra yoga and pranayama and visualization. 
And of course, all this took place before the 12 blessings were given. He was the one who went into the somatic trance to bring through the 12 blessings. But I have absolutely no shadow of a doubt that had the 12 blessings been given before Dr. King himself attained mastery, he would have unquestionably used this practice of prayer and blessing and visualization as part of his practice in a very potent and dynamic way to help bring about greater illumination within himself, unquestionably. Would you please all raise your hands as we close this night's presentation of this wondrous second blessing. Now visualize that white living light, a light that is purely spiritual, radiating from the chakras, from your palms, and from your heart. Blessed are the wise ones, for they walk through a dark and ignorant world, spreading their light. Oh, adorable children, children of God, walk bravely forward to your salvation. Look neither to one side nor the other, but straight ahead into the very face of God and contact this mighty light so that it may shine upon you, so that it might impregnate you forever. Be this now and by now. Adorable children, Little children, I am here with you. I will lead you into this state if you but hold out your hand to me. Adorable ones, go with God. Well, if there are no other questions... Uh, for this particular blessing, we'd like to thank you all for coming this evening. And uh, those of you who couldn't come in through the door next week, please come by and we'll allow you in because there'll be more seating available. So with that said, may the infinite spirit of all creation bless each and every one of you in your divine path. Thank you very much. Thank you. sincerely hope you enjoyed this podcast. For further information on these podcasts or the Ethereum Society in general, please visit us on the web at www.ethereus.org.